this is a, a fairly big uh, step up from meditating 20, 25 minutes a day. To Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm glad we know that. And uh, I, I, uh, it's prob- this is probably just right for you then. Um, if you're not used to sitting for long periods of time, uh, you, you might find physical discomfort is uh, going to be a, a major part of your practice at some point or another during the weekend. And for those of you that are only used to sitting once a day, uh, you'll find that sitting repeatedly throughout the day also has that effect of producing a, a certain amount of physical discomfort. Um, First of all, what you want to do is to uh, perfect your your posture. By that, I mean uh, every body is different, and you will need to find exactly what is the posture that uh, allows you the greatest degree of comfort uh, for the longest period of time, and. Uh, and the kind of practice that, that uh, I teach, uh, I would like you to minimize sources of bodily discomfort as much as possible because you, they, they can't be avoided. Uh, they are inevitable. But this is not about uh, uh, toughing it out and uh, overcoming pain. And it's not about everybody sitting in a particular way. So uh, you find the way that seems to work best for your body and in the course of the weekend as you find that uh, there are particular places in your body where pain is beginning to uh, develop very consistently, experiment with ways that uh, ways of easing that. And I suggest that very small modifications to uh, your sitting position will be the, the most useful and the most effective. So um, the, to start off with, uh, everyone sat, so everybody has some idea of a comfortable way to sit. Um, but if you, uh, if you find that you're starting to develop a particular chronic ache between your shoulders or in your low back or your knees are bothering you or, or your ankles are bothering you or your hips are bothering you or something like that, then experiment with a small adjustment and use, uh, you can, for example, if you have a pain in your hip or your knee, you might put a cushion under the knee on that leg and you might find that that's just enough to ease that. And uh, if you do that, when I say small adjustments, rather than, you know, push your knee up an inch or an inch and a half, it's like just just a little bit of support that just barely barely moves it from where it was before and see if that doesn't ease it. So, But do try to be as comfortable as you can. You will find you will find that there is physical discomfort. Um, partly, it's partly bodily. Um, our bodies are not used to staying still for a long period of time. And it's partly uh, mental. It's partly psychological. Uh, the resistance that uh, 
may arise in your mind to the discipline of doing this uh, often tends to manifest in the body. Um, you probably all know that quite well, that there's a very strong connection between uh, the mind and the body and very often what manifests the, the way particular things that are truly mental in origin manifest is through bodily sensations. And you do find that to the degree that you uh, uh, have some resistance to this discipline, that that may show up in your body. That kind of pain tends to go away um, as, as soon as the meditation ends. Uh, good evening. <laughs> But the kind of pain that, you know, uh, when the bell rings doesn't immediately disappear and that, you know, you find that your your knee or your hip or whatever has a definite ache to it, then the origin of that is in your body. And so try to correct that uh, uh, if, if you can to some degree uh, by, by finding a more comfortable way to sit. Um, as much as possible, avoid moving. And I'll talk more about that. I'll get more into that. Welcome, Connie. Welcome, Jerome. It's good to see you. Well, I we knew that you were going to be late. Um, you'll have a chance to... What we've talked about prior to your arrival is mostly just the schedule for the weekend. And uh, you'll have a chance to go over that later on. And what I'm doing now is just providing some preliminary instruction on the practice. Starting with finding a comfortable way to sit. <laughs> and <laughs> being forewarned that there's going to be some physical discomfort uh, as a result of the sitting. I don't want to overemphasize that too much. It's something that, that does pass. But it is something that uh, everyone experiences to some degree when they start to practice. So now, the practice that we uh, we're doing is called samatha vipassana, and uh, those are two words that uh, they describe the goal of the practice. Samatha, which translates to something like uh, serenity or tranquility, uh, and vipassana, which translates to insight. In <clears throat> the samatha part of it, uh, it's called serenity because the uh, the end result of the process is a very calm, serene, collected state of mind. Uh, it's a very uh, happy, pleasant state of mind. It's a very tranquil state of mind. And uh, so that's what samatha means and that's what the word refers to. Um, that's achieved through developing uh, concentration and mindful awareness. 
So samatha, the goal, is a state uh, where your your mind has been well trained. When we say it's concentrated, we mean that uh, your mind follows your intentions. Whatever you direct your attention towards, your mind rests stably there, effortlessly there. Uh, you can move your attention from one thing to another, and wherever you direct your attention, it is fully engaged with uh, that object of attention and stays there as briefly or as long as uh, uh, your intention is to have it do so. You can, with this with this sort of uh, uh, effortless concentration, you can fix your mind on a single object and you can become completely absorbed into that object. And that is a very uh, important and valuable way to practice. But there are other ways that you can use this uh, uh, concentrated the mind, this, this, this trained mind. You can just simply observe whatever happens to uh, arise in your conscious awareness, whatever sensations, whatever thoughts, whatever uh, feelings, and examine and investigate them as they arise and as they pass away. Um, the, whole <clears throat> the whole point, though, is that you've trained your mind so that uh, it is, as, as it said in the sutras, the, the mind is, is uh, malleable and wieldy. The mind is, is, is pliant. So that basically your mind follows your intention. You have continuity of attention when you place it on something. The, what, you, what you'll immediately find when you begin to practice is that your mind's going all over the place. You don't have continuity of awareness of any one single thing. So one of the first things that uh, uh, you will be working towards in your practice is achieving uh, progressively greater continuity of awareness of a single uh, object. Uh, the other very important thing that you develop is mindful awareness. This is that whatever your attention is directed towards, that you are fully aware of it, fully conscious, completely with it, completely engaged with it, and not in a state of dullness. So distractedness and dullness are the two tendencies of the mind that you're going to be contending with initially. And you're going to be training the mind in such a way that you will that the, the distractedness and the dullness will disappear. Now I want to point out something that you can't force any of this to happen. You can't make it happen. All you can do is create the conditions. And if you create the conditions, then uh, then the training will be effective and you will achieve the result. You will have uh, you will have continuity of, atten of, uh, of attention. You'll have uh, and you'll be able to focus exclusively on whatever you choose in a single-pointed way, or broaden your awareness to whatever degree that you wish. Because your mind will... Uh, one way of thinking of it, is, or, or, or not just a way of thinking of it, it's the way it really is. What, your mind consists of many different mental processes, 
and they are doing many different things, and they have many different tasks to perform. One way to describe the objective of this training is unification of the mind, trying to get all of those different mental processes that are trying to do different things to come together in more of a coordinated, cohesive, cooperative, harmonious way, all directed towards the same end. So unification of mind is another way of describing the goal of this. Now it's called samatha vipassana because, and vipassana means insight. Um, Insight is obtained through examining things as they are, through paying attention to things as they are. And then you gain insight into the way things are. The insights that we uh, refer to when we say vipassana are insights into uh, the nature of reality, uh, who and what you are and the nature of your, uh, uh, the nature of your reality, the nature of your existence. <clears throat> now, in the samatha vipassana practice, the insights will, many insights will come that eventually lead to these deep insights into the nature of reality. These insights will begin to come almost as soon as you practice, <clears throat> if you pay attention to what's actually happening, to things as they really are. And what you're going to do is you're going to attempt to keep your attention focused on a single object. And so notice what's going on. If you notice what's happening, then insights will begin to form spontaneously. You don't need to search for them, you don't need to dig for them, you don't need to, to cogitate upon them in order to make them come about. You just let them develop. And so if you're open to insight, then all of what otherwise might be perceived as struggling against difficulties in getting your mind to do what you want it to do instead becomes a process of learning and discovery and experimentation. And that's what that's what makes the process insightful. Any questions about anything that I've said so far? Okay. Well let's talk about <clears throat> the practice the, what I want you to, the object that I want you to focus your attention on is the sensations that are produced as you breathe completely naturally, not controlling your breath in any way, but the sensations that are produced as you breathe naturally. And I would prefer, if you can, to observe the sensations that occur in the vicinity of the, the tip of the nose and the upper lip, somewhere in that area where the air is entering and leaving your body. So I know most of you are familiar with this practice, but the idea is that, you know, we would say we're meditating on the breath, but uh, it would be more accurate to say that we're meditating on the sensations that are produced by the breath. So what you want to do 
become close your eyes, become very settled, breathe naturally, and observe the sensations that occur as the breath enters and leaves your body. do nothing more than just observe those sensations as they come and go for the rest of the uh, time that you're sitting this weekend. I'll talk about the walking meditation, the other meditation in a few moments. It's as simple as that. But of course, anybody who's tried it at all for any length of time knows that as simple as that is not at all that simple. What happens is that there are many other thoughts and uh, awareness of many other sensations present in your mind at the same time. And you will begin to, you will take one of those thoughts or one of those sensations as the object of your awareness. and very quickly you will forget entirely about sensations of the breath and then your mind will tend to wander from one thing to another until at a certain moment you'll realize what's taking place. Now, when that happens, and this this is one of the very first insights, when that happens I'd like you to observe the difference in the quality of your consciousness, your conscious awareness, in the moment when you realize that your mind is in, uh, that you have forgotten what you meant to be doing and your mind was wandering and you were lost in some thought. And then you have this moment where you wake up to the present and you realize that this is not what you intended to be doing. Notice the difference in the quality of of the lost mind and the awakened mind. Because this is a taste of where where you're going to go in your practice. Your goal is to be in that more awakened and aware state all of the time. Now, you can't, through any effort of will, keep your mind, keep this from happening, keep the meditation object from being forgotten and the mind from wandering. And so please don't try to do that and don't feel like you're responsible for doing that or you failed when your mind repeatedly over and over again forgets the meditation object, the sensations of the breath, and instead wanders from thought to thought. But you can overcome that. You can train your mind such that that will cease to occur. The first thing, though, is to work on that awakening into the present moments that makes you realize that your mind is wandering. That, too, is something that you can't force to happen. You were lost, and then suddenly you wake up into this awareness. 
So that's not something that's under your conscious control. But this conscious awareness and this intention that you are in in the moment can reinforce that by appreciating the fact that you are in a more awakened state when you have that realization. Being grateful for whatever process it was that brought you back into the present and made you aware in the moment. Positively reinforcing it. It just takes a moment of appreciation to positively reinforce the mental process that brought you into this state of awareness. And then gently bring your attention back to observing the sensations of the breath as it enters and leaves. Through avoiding becoming annoyed or disappointed at the fact that your mind has wandered, and instead making your only reaction being one of being grateful, happy, appreciative that you recognize that this took place. Simple, positive reinforcement conditioning will cause your mind, through repetition of this, to recognize that mind-wandering is occurring more often and more quickly. The periods of mind-wandering will become shorter. Now as to the other part of this, what led you to forgetting the meditation object, and, and uh, which then resulted in the mind-wandering, <clears throat> this comes from the fact that your mind is going to be doing what it normally does all of the time, which is as soon as something that you've been attending to is no longer especially interesting or important, your mind then searches through its contents or, or scans the different sensations that are being produced through your eyes and your ears and, and, and your other senses for something that seems more interesting and more important. And in your daily life, of course, this is a very valuable thing. It means that throughout the course of the day, instead of being lost in something that's relatively trivial and meaningless, your mind is constantly uh, checking all of the different things that are, are uh, potential objects of awareness so that uh, your conscious activity is most efficiently utilized. So the actual cause of, of you... Uh, of, of your attention leaving the meditation object is a completely normal function of the mind and useful and valuable in everyday life. But it's something that you can train not to happen when you don't wish it to, but not by forcing it. No matter how hard you force your mind to stay on the sensations, it's going to go to something else. So we take a little more subtle approach to this. For one thing, if every single time that, you're, that you become aware that your mind has moved away from the sensations of the breath, 
away from the meditation object, if you just gently bring it back, gently but firmly bring it back, this trains the mind. You've got to regard the mind as not I am this mind, but this mind is a collection of mental processes and they have the property of being trainable and they're trainable in response to uh, your uh, intention. And so just simply the process of whatever <coughs> your mind goes to, you keep bringing it back. That will train the mind to stay with the meditation object. Another thing that you can do that's very helpful is to try to remain to, to try to become as fully engaged with the meditation object as you can moment to, by moment to, uh, to keep the uh, attention from shifting. When you are observing the sensations of the breath, there's, there is a very distinctive sensation that corresponds to the in-breath and a very distinctive set of sensations that correspond to the out-breath. And so examine those and become clearly aware of them. And then set yourself certain tasks to help you remain engaged. You'll notice that the beginning of the sensation produced at the beginning of the in-breath tends to be very distinct and easily identified. You can fairly easily notice the exact moment when uh, the in-breath begins or the sensations of the in-breath begin. Likewise, the beginning of the out-breath is fairly distinct. Somewhat less distinct is the end of the in-breath and the end of the out-breath. So you can help to keep yourself engaged in the sensations of the breath through setting yourself the task of trying to observe the beginning and the ending of both the end and the in-breath and the out-breath with equal clarity, with equal, uh, in equal degree of uh, distinct recognition of, ah, this is the point where it begins, this is the point where it ends. In the process of doing that, and actually to help you do that, you'll notice that there's a brief pause between the end of the in-breath and the beginning of the out-breath, and likewise between the end of the out-breath and the beginning of the in-breath. Sometimes that pause is more readily distinguished than the end of the in-breath or the end of the out-breath. If that's the case, then you can observe that clearly and uh, use that as a point to work towards seeing the end of the uh, in and out breath clearly. This gives you actually uh, six distinct points in the breath cycle that you can exercise your mindful awareness, sharpen your mindful awareness uh, in uh, noticing with greater and greater clarity the beginning and end of the in and out breath and the pause between the two pauses between them. These are the six points in the breath cycle. Trying to observe these as clearly as possible will help you to remain engaged with the breath and reduce somewhat the tendency for your attention to drift away.
initially these may uh, this may seem to be a little bit challenging but one very valuable thing that happens is that the power of your mindful awareness will immediately increase in response to your efforts and so very soon you'll find it's quite easy to identify all of these six points in the breath cycle at that point you may find that it no longer has the same power to help you remain engaged as it did before. Then you can always just expand what you are investigating. Investigate all of the different sensations that occur during the course of the inhalation and all of the different sensations that occur during the course of the exhalation. As those become familiar, you might choose to uh, notice whether the pause between the in and the out breath is longer or shorter than the pause between the out and the in breath. You might choose to become aware, uh, is, the, is this a long breath or is this a short breath? <clears throat> or is this in breath longer or shorter than this out breath? In other words, to overcome the natural tendency of the mind to lose interest and become bored with the sensations of the breath. Give yourself challenges. At the same time, what that will do is greatly increase, as I say, the power of your mindful awareness. You'll be able to perceive more clearly and in greater detail than you originally could. You may be surprised at the capacity that your mind has for this degree of awareness. This is one of the things that you want to develop. As you develop this awareness focused on the sensations of the breath, it will become useful in another way. And that is helping you to be aware of the state of the mind itself so that you become more continuously aware of what's happening. You become aware when the mind is being drawn to a particular thought or to a particular sensation other than the breath, which allows you to gently bring it back. So what I'm talking about here is that you are going to practice directing your attention Initially, you direct your attention to the sensations of the breath. And then every time that it moves away, you redirect your attention. And you will become very skilled at directing your attention. And then you will also be practicing sustained attention through the different ways that I just talked about. You will be learning to sustain your attention on the same object for longer and longer periods of time. Um, and together with this, you're developing mindful awareness. In those moments when you realize that your mind has been wandering, you experience a kind of mindful awareness that is focused on what you are doing what your mind is doing in the moment. Later on, as you enjoy longer and longer periods of time when your mind stays with the meditation object, that same mindful awareness that is now recognizing the actual activity of the mind 
alert you when the mind is tending to be drawn away by something else or when uh, even though you're still aware of the sensations of the breath that perhaps there's something else that is a little more in the center or focus of your attention than those sensations allowing you to bring your awareness back so this mindful awareness can become a kind of introspective awareness by which you become progressively more and more continuously aware of what your own mind is doing in the moment. So the way that I want you to practice is just simply that. In your sitting practice, whenever you lose the meditation object, don't allow negative mental formations to arise because of that. Instead, focus on the positive, which is that you now are aware of that and you now have the opportunity to resume the practice. And bring your attention, gently bring your attention back to the sensation of the breath. And that's your whole job. That's all you have to do until you start to have longer and longer periods of time where you're able to stay with the breath. And then your task is to notice when the mind is beginning to move away from that awareness of the breath and then once again bring it back. This is all that you need to do. Very easy. Um, you might find it helpful each time you sit down and, and begin to practice to count breaths. Um, I guess I mean try to count 10 successive breaths in which you have been more or less continuously aware of every part of the in and out breath. Uh, in other words, you, you didn't completely miss some one in breath or out breath or you didn't completely miss a substantial part of one. If that should happen, just start over again with one until you can get up to, to 10 breaths. Once you've managed to follow 10 breaths consecutively up to 10, then stop counting and then continue practicing uh, without the counting. If your mind wanders again, well, you can just bring it back. Uh, if you have, if you find that it's helpful, what you can do is each time you lose the meditation object, you could go ahead and count another 10 breaths as you're way back into it. After a while, that won't be necessary at all. Experienced meditators usually only count the first 10 breaths when they sit down, and then uh, they don't need to use that device uh, too often after that. But you know, if you if you don't have if uh, if you don't have uh, a lot of continuity in your awareness yet, then feel free to use that method of counting as often as necessary to help you get that. Also, some people find that it's helpful to mentally note things like beginning, end, beginning, end of the in and out breath. And if you find that that's helpful to keep your attention on it go ahead and do that. At some point you'll find that it's unnecessary and that is not only unnecessary but it's a 
uh, cumbersome and distracting uh, mental activity that really detracts from your awareness of the breath, that's the time to drop it. Some people are not so verbal and they might find that they're more prone to having some visual image arise in association with the breath. If that happens and it helps you to stay with the breath, go ahead and use it until such time as you realize that you don't need it and that's actually stand, it's, it's something that's standing between you and a clear perception of the sensations of the breath. Just simply doing these things and nothing else will result in your mind being trained in steadiness of attention and, and uh, clear awareness. Your mind will begin to be calm and you'll enjoy the pleasantness of, of, of that calming effect. There will be many kinds of thoughts and distractions that come. The periods of time when your mind wander will be longer and shorter. If you have a particularly long period of mind wandering that occurs, I would suggest that you take your time going back to the breath and first bring yourself fully into the present moment and into your body. Those periods of mind wandering, you haven't been present. You haven't been here and now. You've been in the past or you've been in the future. You've been somewhere else. So bring yourself fully into the present first. Bring your awareness into your body and then gather it together and then bring it back to the sensations of the tip of the nose. On the other hand, when the periods of mind wandering start to become very brief so that it's only a few seconds uh, before you realize that, the, uh, uh, that, that you're no longer observing the sensations of the breath, then at that point, it's helpful to notice in a very general kind of way what kind of thought it was that had taken you away from the breath. Because when it's that brief, it's probably this very same thought that took you away from the breath in the first place. If your mind's been wandering for several minutes, it's gone from one thing to another to another. But if it's only been a few seconds, the thought that you had in your mind when you became aware of it is probably the very same thought that carried you away. So if you notice it, it's like it's like you've been abducted. So you look at the face of your abductor and it will help you to recognize them next time. Because very often it's similar kinds of thoughts that are carrying us away. It's something that we have on our mind or something that came up that has an attraction and it keeps coming keeps coming back because it has some attraction and some interest for us. So that's what to do when the mind wandering is very long or when the mind wandering is very short. The rest of the time, just be glad that you became aware that you came back into the present moment and just return to the breath. As much as you need to use aids like counting and noting or visualization or anything like that to help prolong the periods of 
mindful awareness of the sensations of the breath. Remember that what you're cultivating is your ability to direct your attention, to sustain your attention, and to maintain a high level of mindful awareness. And you're also cultivating your ability to have introspective awareness of what you're, what's taking place in your mind, what you're doing. These are the faculties that you're developing in the practice. Any questions about that? <clears throat> yes? Yeah, I had a question because it seems like certain thoughts, it's easy to tell that they're just kind of distractions, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of chitter chatter, whatever. And it's easy to see, you know, if you're just thinking about, you know, like what am I doing next week or whatever. Yeah. But then it seems like there's other times that the mind is actually like bringing stuff up for, it's like a deeper purpose or something. Yes. And that was happening when I was sitting here. I was trying to focus on the breath. And as well as focusing on the breath, there was all these other things happening that Mm -hmm. seemed important, you know? They didn't seem like they were just like trivial stuff. Right. And so then I was like trying to have this kind of dual awareness, like be aware of the breath, but at the same time let all that other stuff be. Mm -hmm. Then I felt like, oh, I'm doing it wrong, yeah. <laughs> so I was curious to ask about well, that. Well, no, the, uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. What you want to do, absolutely what you want to do is to let that other stuff be. Mm-hmm. There will come a time when, <clears throat> uh, and as the practice proceeds, where uh, you, you want to, you, you'd like all that stuff in the background to cease, but in the meantime, just let it be. Just make sure it stays in the background. Yeah, just have that kind of double focus, like... Like both well, that and the breath, both, both, so that you're not like yeah. losing focus of the breath. Yeah, and <clears throat> you say double focus. I'd rather think of it like as including focus. It, it's it's a single focus, but there's sort of a penumbra. There's a there's a, a, an awareness that goes beyond the central focus, and so you're aware of these other things, but only in the background. You're keeping your focus on the breath, and you can't help but be aware of these other thoughts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, where, what, uh, another aspect of what you're saying is these thoughts seem to be important and valuable, right? Yeah, it seems, well, it seems like it's going on. It's like the mind is like working on this stuff on a deep kind of level. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, that's what Your mind like is working on stuff at a deep kind of level. And actually, there is, uh, there's a pretty standard kind of way that the type of thoughts that you have change. In actually, the these were more emotions than thoughts. So it actually yeah. wasn't thoughts, it was emotions. Emotions. But go ahead. Well, in the beginning, most likely what you'll have and what you'll get over most quickly are just really ordinary, mundane, everyday, you know, the most trivial kind of, the, the same kind of stuff that you think about all the time, every day, anyway. That's the kind of thoughts that will be arising. And as that quiets down, then you'll start to have more serious and important thoughts, or thoughts about more serious and important, uh, more far-ranging, of of deeper impact, uh, even kinds of insights, you know. And then, because these seem important, you know, they they become much more attractive. The ordinary, everyday thoughts were just kind of annoyances, like, you know, why am I thinking about this kind of thing? trying to meditate. But then these other things, there's the temptation to want to to want to engage those thoughts because mm-hmm. they seem important and they seem valuable. Uh, 
And then as the mind becomes even more quiet, uh, then, then starts to come uh, even more important, profound, deep thoughts and memories and insights, you know. Like you sit there meditating and you'll, you, you'll have uh, memories that have a lot of content. Or you'll have insights that, oh, gee, I, I always react the same way in to this kind of situation, and that's, I think I got that from my mother or something, you know, whatever it is. You know. But, and they, they'll get deeper and they'll get more profound. And at some point, some of them that come up will be really important, and you'll have to give them a certain amount of attention. But talk to me about that when you start to have really important thoughts. In the meantime, the, the thing is, as much as possible, no matter what comes along, let it be and mm-hmm. just come back to the sensations of the breath. Yeah, because even with these thoughts and things, it seems like it's more important just to pay attention to them than you can't really, than to engage with them because they're kind of doing themselves. <laughs> they're kind of like working themselves. That's, yeah. And like if you intervene, then you're going to like pull them all out of one way or the other. Yeah, just let them work themselves out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other questions about the, the practice? Um, and uh, as as a matter of fact, I have some handouts here of the uh, ten stages of practice that most of you, I think, are already familiar with this, but some of you might not be. So you can borrow these and have a look at them. I don't encourage you to do much reading this weekend, but uh, but if you're not familiar with the, the ten stages that we go through in developing samatha, then it, it might be helpful to take a little bit of time uh, to look over these. But what we're what you what you want to do? First of all, your your mind is just all over the place, and you cannot maintain continuity of attention for very long, and the mind has periods of wandering. Then, as as you practice, and, and you know, over the course of this weekend, you'll all find fairly quickly you get to the point where the periods of mind wandering get to be shorter and shorter, and the periods when you stay with the meditation object start to be longer and longer. And what you're after is that uh, you'd like to get to that place where, when you sit down to meditate, from the time you sit down and start counting the breath till when the bell rings, that you never miss uh, an in and an out breath, that you have that degree of continuity of attention. And you might very well, if you haven't experienced it before, you might very well be able to get to that point over the course of the weekend. You won't be able to sustain it when you go back to your daily practice, probably, but that's all right. Once you've been there, you know that you can do it again. It'll be easier to get there again. And eventually, over time, it will be what characterizes your practice. You'll, you, uh, only when your mind is particularly agitated or distracted will you have a problem with um, not being able to be continuously aware of the meditation object. So this is what you'll be working towards, is continue, continuity of attention. Now, you'll have that continuity, but there's all kinds of other things present in your mind as well, just as Terry was talking about here. All kinds of thoughts, 
you're aware of sound, you're aware of sensations in your body. One of them that we need to talk about is the pain that you'll probably experience from sitting still. And they'll be there. But as much as possible, you want to just let them be there and your only objective is to keep these thoughts, these other thoughts and sensations from displacing the meditation object as the primary focus of your attention. And, of course, it'll take you a while before that's the case. Because even when you are continuously aware of the breath, and you never really lose an in or an out breath, there'll be a lot of periods of time when that awareness of the in and out breath was off here in the background, and most of your attention was actually going to some thought process. So, and and when when that's the case, it's the same thing. You you treat it the same way you do with the mind wandering. When you become aware of that, aha! Here I am. I've been, you know, just barely aware of my breath, and I've been thinking other thoughts. You just bring bring the breath back into the focus, and just do that over and over again, as as often as you need to. And the same thing will happen. You will become more and more skilled at as soon as something begins to displace the uh, sensations of the breath as being the primary focus of your attention, you'll become aware of it and you'll be able to correct right away. And that's that's what you want to do. So uh, eventually, as you keep practicing, First of all, those other thoughts and sensations will just stay in the background, and then they'll actually begin to fade so that you're hardly aware of them at all. They become very few and far between, and uh, and when you are aware of them, you're just barely aware of them. Just like a, a, faint, a, a thought is nothing more than just kind of a faint whisper that you easily just uh, ignore, and it goes away. At that point, your mind will have achieved a very profound degree of, of single-pointedness. The other thing that you will encounter as you go along here is dullness. Uh, you may first become aware of dullness in the form of sleepiness. You may find yourself dozing off when you meditate. And you'll have to bring yourself into a brighter state of mental alertness, re-energize your mind to overcome that. But the most important thing that you have to do, and it's just so much like dealing with distraction, is to become aware of it in its subtler stages. You become aware of the dullness before it becomes dozing, and, and you brighten up your awareness. The sooner you become aware of dullness, then the, then the easier it is to correct. And so it's really the same process. And then just simply by doing nothing more than becoming aware of dullness and correcting it as soon as it develops, you'll come to a state where you rarely, if ever, experience dullness in your meditation practice. Or if you do, it's only those times if you're trying to meditate and you're really tired or you haven't had enough sleep or something like that. So. Eventually, dullness ceases to be a problem at all, and it's one of the one of the stages that you go through. But you will experience sleepiness and, and dullness at some points.
Any other questions about the, the basics of the practice at this point? So that's the sitting practice. Now I'm going to talk to you about the walking. <laughs> we'll be doing a lot of walking meditation. And first of all, to start out with, your most important objective during a period of walking meditation is to remain in the present moment. Use the act of walking and various sensations in different ways at different times to uh, to help you remain in the present moment. But this is your primary objective to begin with the walking practice is to stay in the here and now. And when you're in the here and now to become progressively more and more aware. But it complements the sitting practice. So one of the main things that I would like you to do in the walking practice initially is to walk, first of all, one step at a time. By that I mean you lift your foot, you move it, and you place it, and you don't begin moving the back foot until you completely finish this step here. Insert a little brief pause there. Normally when we walk, you see the back foot's already coming up before the front foot's fully placed. That's the natural way of walking. So I'm going to ask you when you're walking to do something that's a little bit unnatural and just make a brief pause between each step and the next one. And what I want you to be doing while you're walking in that way is put your awareness in the sensations of the sole of the foot that is moving. Okay, so put my awareness in the, uh, the sole of my right foot as I lift it and move it and place it. Shift my weight. Now, I'm going to direct my attention to the sole of my left foot. And I'm going to sustain my attention on those sensations until I've shifted my weight on the left foot. And I'm going to direct my attention to the back foot. And direct my attention to the back foot. So walk, practicing directing and sustaining your attention. This will complement your, this is the same thing you're doing in your sitting practice, right? It will complement it greatly. It will help you quite a bit. Because you're moving your attention from the sole of one foot to the sole of the other. So all of your directing attention, you don't have to wait until your mind wanders to direct it back to the breath. Now, every every couple of seconds, you get to practice directing your attention. And you get to practice sustaining your attention for the whole duration of that foot, the, for the whole duration of the movement of that foot, and so forth. So just practice directing and sustaining attention. And as you become more skilled at that, you can increase the powers of your observation so that you're very clearly aware of the sensations in each step. And you might 
you might find that if you slow down, you can observe all these different sensations that happen as you lift one foot. You know, there's, there's, uh, as the heel begins to rise, there's a decompression of those tissues and the blood starts to flow into it. And there's changes in temperature. And as you lift it and move it, see if you can notice the difference in sensations in the sole of your foot between during the act of lifting and the act of moving and the act of lowering. And each time you place your foot, the same thing, as your foot comes down, as your foot comes down, first there's the contact, and then there's the increase in pressure, and then I get kind of a tingly sensation as the pressure increases, and then there's a shift in the weight of your body. So I'd like you to, as you become more and more skilled at just directing and sustaining your attention, to practice increasing the quality of your awareness of the sensations, perhaps walk more slowly, uh, and if you really get into this, I hope you will, that you enjoy the walking meditation and like to carry it. The next step is you can divide the lifting of your foot into three parts and so, that, uh, so that you can even more carefully identify the different sensations. So what I do when I walk slowly, this is a very slow walking meditation, is I consider the first third of lifting my foot when my heel comes up. And I observe the sensations in. I try to observe, you know, at least three or four different sensations just in that part. Then the second part is my foot comes up to a point where it's just my toes that are on the ground. And I try to observe several different sensations that make up that phase. And then there is when the the foot finally leaves contact with the ground and feeling the different sensations there. So you can observe three different phases to lifting your foot. And moving your foot has these three parts of raising, moving, and lowering. And then when you put your foot down, I I usually put the first half of my foot down and observe the sensations there, and then the second half of my foot down and observe the sensations there. And then I shift my body weight. And that's a whole new set of sensations there. And then direct my attention to the other foot and do the same thing. (coughs) Um, Progress at your own rate in, in this practice of increasing the degree of awareness that you have. Don't, uh, don't push yourself beyond what feels comfortable, but that's how it will progress. Any questions about that way of walking? Now, sometimes you're walking and your mind's going to be a bit tired. and. You've been watching the breath very closely. Um, well, let me just interject something at this point. Earlier, when I was talking about all the different ways that you can engage the breath, looking at more and more and more refined degrees of the sensations that are present, um, 
What I didn't say and should have, it's the same thing as with the walking. You progress in that at your own pace. Don't try, don't feel like you have to do all of the things that I described right away or this weekend. You just do, you just do as much as you feel comfortable with, okay? You, you know, just start out looking at the beginning and the, and the end of the in and out breath and the pauses, okay? Anyway, but sometimes because you've been sitting and you've been, your attention's been very focused and you've been observing these sensations very carefully and you feel your mind is getting tired and you go to do the walking meditation and the last thing that you may really feel is going to be helpful to you is doing a walking meditation that is that focused and that concentrated. You don't have to. You can walk very slowly and just be aware of the act of walking. Just be aware of whatever sensations visual, auditory, uh, tactile, or otherwise, present themselves to you. So you can do your walking meditation as a way of relaxing the mind. What's important, though, is you stay completely in the present moment, that your attention only goes where you intend it to. Okay, So you don't allow your attention to be pulled here and there and here and there, but rather uh, use the act of walking as, as your, uh, your, your sort of anchor, keeping you in the, the sensations of the body, keeping you in the present and the present moment. There will be a variety of sounds. If there is one that's interesting to you, intentionally shift your awareness to it. Even stop walking for a moment. If you're walking, just stop in mid-stride, shift your attention to that sound, and allow your attention to rest in, in, in that sound and explore it. And then expand your awareness just to sound in general. And then bring your attention back to your body and start walking again. Same thing if you see something, you feel something in some other, uh, on your, uh, a breeze on your skin or something like that. that you know, in other words, all the time that you're walking, even though you're in a very relaxed state, always maintain this relationship that your attention follows your intention. Okay? And there's a, there's a subtlety here that you don't fight against it. What you do is if you feel that your attention is being drawn somewhere, you deliberately take it. In other words, you avoid ever being a situation where you intend to be paying attention to the soles of your feet, but your attention on its own is going to the sound of the bird. So what you do is you you just try to catch it quickly enough so that before your attention goes to the sound of the bird, you make that your intention. It's like it's like training a, an animal, you know, like. You always, you, you always maintain this relationship of who's in charge. Intention is always in charge. So sometimes when you're walking, you go out there and you say, okay, I'm just going to be in the present moment. But just the one thing to do is just uh, stay, stay in that place of intention directing attention. Attention follows intention. And other than that, just have a nice, relaxing, enjoyable experience and uh, it can be it, it will be very delightful
When you're walking in that way, the things that you hear or see or feel that you will investigate, they'll be very pleasant. They'll be very wonderful. And you should, you should allow them to be that way. It should make it into a wonderful, pleasant experience. Find, find the, the, the joy that is actually present in our experiences of the present moment at every time, at, at every moment. They're always there. Any, other, any questions about how to do the practice? I'll be talking to you individually tomorrow morning so I can answer more specific questions, but you have things to work with until we have that conversation. <laughs>